Sorry about the noise. My neighbour's sanding his deck. My motto? Don't work on your deck. Play on it. Life's good with a Trex deck. Low maintenance with a 25-year residential warranty. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures and this week. Patrick is still in WA, but we've got him on the line for the whole show. Good morning, Patrick. Good morning, Redmond. How are you? Going well. Uh, I'll give you a bit of a uh, weather report for uh, Western Australia. <laughs> for the next decade, it's uh, going to be windy. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, what I mean is tomorrow, windy. The next day, windy. The next day. Windy. Is it? It's just a windy place. The Fremantle Doctor is a real thing. Every time we go out and train, there is a 25 goal wind heading one direction. <laughs> Isn't the? Doesn't that come in at like three o'clock in the afternoon or something? Or is it- yeah, or nine a.m. depending on. <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure it's three o'clock somewhere in the world. Just over here, it happens to be first thing in the morning, and there's been a fair bit of um, argy bargy between the. Victorian locals and Sam Menegola, who is a native Western Australian, and he talks up the Western Australian coffee. We obviously haven't experienced that just yet because we've been in quarantine. In jail. But he, he, he can't talk up the uh, the weather because she's windy. What's the temperature up there, Lazy Air Temp? Is it around the 20s or higher, lower? That was nice. It was nice. When was it? Wednesday, mid 20s. But. Yeah, teetering around the uh, the teens at the moment. Wouldn't mind a bit more sun, but it's certainly a bit warmer than Victoria at the moment. And uh, unfortunately for you, Redmond, a little less COVID. Yeah, well, I tell you what. During the week, I've noticed the temperature change. It has been like you. It's been cold over since COVID, basically we went back to fishing in Victoria. It was cold, but the last week and a half, two weeks, the water temps eleven degrees. Pat, that's how cold it is. It's actually warmer to put your hand in the water than it is to actually fish. To tell you the truth, it's that cold out there. But <laughs> it is it is freezing cold. Like I'm wearing my two hoodies, and then I've got uh, my jacket on top and a beanie on, and I'm still like constantly trying to get out of the wind as much as possible. And that comes back to fishing with tide, wind and tide, Pat. I couldn't talk any higher of it during the middle of winter because wind and tide together is your best friend this time of the year because it is dead set, freezing cold. And I can see why people put their boats away. But during the week, especially at the end of the week, we had some beautiful weather. Pat, you should have seen how many boats were out fishing especially like that St. Leonard's region. Other people can't travel, obviously, uh, in the, via car, but they can via boat. I don't think it's recommended to travel too far. Uh, a lot of them were local Queenscliff St. Leonard's guys, as you, you know, because you launch at these places and you get chatting to people. But, Pat, the amount of boats fishing at the end of the week is was crazy. It was literally like, no, it, it was like no one works, to tell you the honest truth. <laughs> Does it concern you with the rising cases you know, 400 through most days during the week, that there are a lot of people at boat ramps. Does that worry you at any stage, do you think? Uh, the reason I'm going to say no is I had a, a fisheries come up and check me during the week. I think it was on the Wednesday, and uh, I had a good chat to fisheries, and they're being told to basically kick people out. So if they are, say, for example, at my boat ramp, Queenscliff, and they're from, say, for example, Altona, as an example, fisheries have the right to move them on. Basically, yep. they're not allowed to be there. And uh, the boys said to me that they haven't had to ask one person uh, to leave 
the vicinity yet from another um any from basically any region in the locked out region rather than I'm in the regional area where the Melbourne Metro guys obviously aren't allowed to come down. So they haven't had to tell anyone to go back. So I don't know, that's pretty good news. I think people must be listening. But the boat the, yep. well they haven't the boat ramps hasn't been that busy, Pat. Like it's uh the well, I think during the week, it was when I launched most days, it was a little bit windy at the start of the week, but there was no one out. And then at the end of the week, even when all those boats were out, they, they weren't too bad. So maybe they are making the travel from Werribee because Werribee to St. Leonard's isn't that far. So it's only probably, oh, I reckon a 20-minute drive in the boat. So I'm tipping that would be nearly borderline okay, do you think? What do you think? Anything... Uh, any time in the boat for mine is, is worth getting out. It's better than being cooped up at home. Hmm. Obviously, as long as it's done, you know, respectfully and everything. But yeah. I don't know. There's a few more. Surely, the, as you said, the, if the water's warmer than the air temperature at the moment, there must be a few <laughs> snapper getting about. Yeah, the whiting were good this week. Uh, we, I No, I said the snapper. Oh, the snapper. I thought you said the whiting. Well, the snapper, there's... No snapper, Pat. It's too bloody cold. They're not stupid enough to be here. They are out in the deep water doing their thing, uh, hopefully getting ready for the crazy snapper season, which hopefully it is. But I tell you what, you've been locked up uh, in WA, and I think you're starting to go mad because I'm pretty sure after last week's discussion with Sammy Goodwin, we set you up to catch a uh, sparkle narkle, but you were trying to catch something else with a fly rod in a pool during the week. Am I right? Yeah, I was trying to catch Brian Cook. Who's so Brian he's Cook? the... Uh... Well, if you knew your footy, you'd realise he's our CEO. So he's the biggest fish in our in our pond. And Bro- Cookie gets up in the morning and he swims sort of two and a half k in a pool that's maybe fifteen metres long. So I don't know how he does it, but he does. Um, so I just I got Dad to send over the fly rod during the week, doing a little bit of um, practicing. Where we go up to stay in Queensland, hopefully there'll be. A, few opportunities here and there to get the fly rod out and practice a little bit. And it's one of those things you can you can do on, on shore because you don't need uh, a, a lure in order to practice. Okay, well, I'll let you do your fly fishing in a pool while I'm out there catching real fish. But how, how um, have you spoken to any of the boys like Lekka or anyone over in WA about any reports coming out of WA? I've seen some magnificent snapper being caught still this week. Yeah, I have. I've spoke to uh, Lukey Thompson from uh, Perth Superyacht. So they he runs a uh, an operation out of Fremantle, um, and we've had him on uh, on the show before as a guest. And basically, it's a chartering company. They run right up to Shark Bay, um, run smaller boats in and around um, sort of the Perth CBD region to Rottnest and everything like that. Um, but they've had some some incredible. Um, trips that they've recently been on have just come back from from Shark Bay and some of the the amberjack just astonishing um, huge snapper uh, and of course the West Australian juicefish so they've, they've been getting some really good catches. I look at it and go geez if you gave me an extra couple of days I could zip <laughs> up there and, and get a few nice fish. Yeah I wouldn't mind heading up there shortly myself but Patrick before we get into the new app that's going to take over every phone possible the Melbourne Boat Show 
is on this weekend. I know you are in Perth, but you can attend it because it is the it's the Melbourne Boat Show as they uh, as they call it, the standard one, but it, with a little bit of a twist. Patrick is the virtual boat show. So what I mean by that, it is virtual. It is going to be on your laptop or on your phone or whatever device you would like to use, and you can attend the boat show by sitting at home. So you can actually come along, Patrick. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. We've seen that this right across the globe, whether it be over in the States, um, which clearly they're having huge impacts around uh, COVID-19. But I think it's a great initiative by the BIA to still run uh, a boat show, still have exposure for different brands, different products, uh, and just be able to connect with people that are interested in talking fishing, even under these extreme circumstances. Uh, that are 2020. So I'm looking forward to that, Redmond. There's different stands, obviously, that you can go and click on. Uh, there's virtual walkthroughs, and you are speaking throughout it with, I think, Dwayne Blake and Chris Cathar when it comes to all things self guide. Yeah, well, I spoke yesterday at about 1 o'clock, I think it was, on the Friday, and then today, Saturday, uh Wayne's doing a talk in the afternoon, and then on the Sunday, I am doing another talk. So there's also some other great stage presenters there. You've got Lee Rayner, who's going to be doing he, all things Lee. You know what Lee does. He's caught fish all around the country. Then you've got Paul Worsling. He'll be doing his thing. You, there's plenty of different guest speakers there, so it's well worth a listen. You've got John Cahill from Ebb Tide Tackle, who's a regular guest on Real Adventures, and he's a great person to listen to if you're into your, your uh, top water uh, sort of species. So even like Murray Cod, uh, Tuna, Kingfish, you name it, basically. What a huge Murray Cod. Uh, I think it was last week. An absolute stonker. Well, it was on his social media pages anyway. It looked amazing. Well, yeah, he, he catches some of the best fish on top water. So it's well worth listening to John Cahill from Ebb Tide Adventures. And just to name, I've, just off the top of the, I'm on the uh, Melbourne Virtual Boat Show webpage, basically just to name a few, you've got 38 South Boats, you've got Aussie Boat Sales, Bar Crusher, you've got, BLA going to be there. You've got chaparral boats for the people like yourself, Patrick. Uh, there's, like I said, it's going to be nearly a normal boat show. I know a few people aren't attending uh, due to not getting boat show deals. And what I mean by that, Paddy, is say, for example, a company usually approaches their dealership and say, oh, boat show deals to supply them. And some some companies didn't support it, which, uh, which is fair enough. Uh, they can understand it's not a normal boat show and they'll see, probably see how this year goes first before they do, do jump on. But how you do attend the show... You head to uh, the Boat Show website, so just type in Melbourne Boat Show and it will take you straight to their website. If you want the actual uh, code, it's Melbourne Virtual Boat Show and Fishing Show dot vfairs.com. So that's the website there. Click it, you register your, your name, and basically, if you're not a Salt Guy member already, you also get a free month subscription too if you don't, uh, if you uh, log into that as well. So you can click yes. Free Salt Guide membership for a month if you're not a Salt Guide member. And I reckon it's going to be all right. What do you reckon it's going to be like? Yeah, looking forward to seeing it. I think, uh, like I said, any opportunity to to talk about fishing, to review boats, to listen to yourself or Paul or Lee Rayner talk, um, and the experts talk about how to catch fish, I think is a good opportunity, especially when this is this is the best we can do given the circumstances that we're all under. Now, Patrick, this week, something super exciting we've been working on for a period of time, the new Real Adventures app. Take us through it. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, it certainly is, As and we've been working on this, as you said, for, for quite a long period of time now. And basically what it is, 
it's our show in an app that's downloadable from wherever you download your apps, whether it be Android or iPhone. So all our podcasts are available on there. Our product reviews uh, are available on there. We've got recipes, how-to videos. Um, we're going to be adding to that over the, the, the coming months as well. So um, it's something that you know a huge amount of work has gone into, um, and our friends at Dometic have, have helped uh, put it all together. Um, and you can see their new range of um, all their camping equipment and all the refrigeration that we've come to know, um, you know, Dometic is, is, is known for. So um, we're, we're really excited about it, really proud of it. Uh, and as I said, you can click on different locations, uh, different recipes, some good ones contributed to natural ripping recipes that are really, really easy to read, easy to cook. Um, and the same with our reviews, whether it be reels, rods, uh, and a whole lot um, more. So, yeah, download it in the App Store. Um, it's very easy to find. It looks exactly like our Real Adventures logo on our social media, whether it be Facebook or Instagram at Real Adventures Show. Uh, and see it for yourself and enjoy it. And it's pretty expensive? It is very, very expensive. It is uh, free. It is free to download. So, um, yeah, it's we're, we're really excited about it. It's, a, it's an easy way to um, to directly ask you and I questions um, and and join in the conversation with us. So it's just, just another tool in order to, um, you know, enjoy the Real Adventures experience. So there it is, the Real Adventures app. Download it as we speak, as long as you're not driving. So download it to your phone and you'll be able to keep up to date. Everything Dangerfield and myself are doing on the water and a little bit on land too, Patrick, with the camping side of things too. Now, speaking of on water and on land at the same time. Patrick, my question for you today, what is your thoughts on the Sea Legs boats? Now, for it's those... Quite a, it's quite a nice segue for me. You're finally learning how to host a radio show. I'm impressed. Struggle to get a word. Struggle to get a word in normally with your head on the, in the, in the you know, studio trying to fit in on the microphone. But anyway, Sea Legs, Patrick, what do you think? Yeah, what... what? Most people have known Sea Legs for for a long time um, is amphibious boats that have generally sort of been attached to super yachts. But I think we're starting to see more and more people use them um, that are very much gung-ho fishermen that can't fish out of locations where there's a decent boat ramp and launching facility. The beauty of Sea Legs, quite clearly, is that you can launch the boat in just about any terrain. Now, they are expensive and once upon a time when they were first released, they were basically just inflatable boats. Now they build their own. They've done a few collaborations, uh, most notably uh, with Stadycraft and the 2100 that they, they released a yep. few years back. But they've got an eight and a half metre uh, plate aluminium boat now, which, you know, it is expensive. It's, we're talking in the, the low 300, but in terms of a go anywhere boat, it doesn't get much better when you can literally drive it from the car park uh, into open water. My, um, my question for you coming up, the reason I ask this is because during the week I've seen the same boat out twice and it was a sea legs and I haven't, I've only seen a couple on the water here and there, but say for example, Pat, you put your boat on the trailer. Well, not you, I use my trailer a bit, but you go fishing and you've got to thoroughly clean your trailer afterwards. Now, no matter how good you are, whatever trailer brand you use, Salt water destroys everything. 
how long do you like how, how do you reckon it's going to last with the with the seat the whole I guess wheel system whatever uh, suspension system they've got on there coming up and down each time they use it with the salt water sitting out there for five or six hours in the salt each day uh, no it's, it's going to last you a long time all the technology that sea legs have used it's all patented amphibious technology so yeah this is not a this is not a startup company that's new to this um, this industry. They've been the the trendsetters for one of a better term, and we've seen we've seen some new New Zealand based um, brands. I think Trax is one of them um, that's developed similar technology. But this like that um, was designed in New Zealand, um, and the story goes it was created on the back of a napkin. I think it was in the early early 2000, 2001, um, and now there's been nearly 1,500 boats sold worldwide, many to um, the armed forces, whether that's US, Australia, and I think France is the other one. So, um, you know, when, you, when you're dealing with the military, you know, these are, these are well-built, um, well-built boats. So um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a hesitation with purchasing one if you're worried about, the, yep. the capability, yeah, of the of the of the stainless equipment, yeah, they, these are purpose built machines, um, and and bloody impressive, I tell you. Yeah. All right, we better head to the next segment, Patrick. So we will we will see you straight after the break. There's plenty more to come on Real Adventures. We've got the Social Club, Reds Review, and a few others. We'll see you shortly. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It is now time for the Social Club where you can send in your questions. And this time, Patrick, it's not just via Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can send your questions in via our Real Adventures app. It's so easy to do. Head to iTunes or if you're on an Android, anywhere you download your apps, download the Real Adventures app and send your question in. Patrick, the first one is coming from you. Well, it's not coming from me, Redman. It's coming from Ben. How do you predict the snapper fishery this season to come, boys. So how am I preparing for what's to come with this snapper season? You said the water's a bit cold at the moment. When are we going to start to see that change? Uh, I had a good chat to fisheries during the week and they reckon this year is going to... uh, Sorry, yeah, this year, this season to come, is going to be nearly as good as 2008. And I don't know if you were around uh, back in 2008, which you weren't, but did you get any snapper fishing done over that like coming back to see your parents, Patrick? No, not really. When I was in Adelaide in 2008, it was one of the great, well, probably the premier snapper fishery right around Australia. So there wasn't too much when I got back to Victoria because didn't need to. Head across to Stansbury, it was phenomenal. Head over um, St. Vincent, it was just unbelievable in SA. So hopefully the snapper closure uh, improves it there. But certainly you can keep abreast of it like you have in Victoria, Redmond. Well, the 2008 snapper fishery in 2009 was the best we've probably ever seen. If you couldn't catch a snapper, it means you pretty much weren't putting a hook on your rod. So they reckon the next five years, so starting from this year and the next five years, are going to be nearly the same as 2008. So that comes back down to the guys at Fisheries Victoria, the research team, heading out and basically targeting with their nets and certain parts of weed beds where they believe that uh, the basically the snapper, the baby snapper, I guess you could call them, the real small snapper, uh, juvenile, tiny, like literally fingernail size, Patrick, fingerlings, like literally 
small as you can. You can barely see them with your eye. And they go down and target them and they basically start counting numbers. And the numbers come from there, which then I think it takes eight years for a snapper to be uh, basically of a snapper size, so not a pinky pat. So you're talking 40 plus centimetres, I guess you could say. So around that two yeah. and a half to five kilo, we'll, talk, we'll call it that. So you, when they start to become a snapper, I like to say anything over 40. And the reason I say that is because in Victoria, we're allowed to three fish over 40 centimetres and that's classified as snapper. So they reckon it's going to be as good as you can get it coming this season and the year after should be even better than that one. And then the year after should be even better than that one and so on for five years. So Ben, stay tuned, get your rods ready, start making some rigs because this year I'm excited and hopefully Patrick, fingers crossed that this virus sorts itself out sooner than later because I think anglers are going to be super keen to head out on the bay and catch some snapper. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think you're right. I think everyone will have had enough of uh, everyone else's company after the next couple of months. So he's hoping uh, we get off on the right foot with this coming snapper season. Speaking of uh, company, you've obviously spent a bit of time with the boys in the hub life. You wanted to kill anyone yet? Uh, Luke Dalhouse is a very up and about sort of character, um, and and he's he's certainly on the on the cusp of when he dives in the water. I, I probably won't let him up to, to breathe. Um, but our, our guys have been pretty pretty impressive. I must admit. I mean, fourteen days in lockdown. I think we're up to we're up to thirteen. We're out tomorrow. Um, it's actually gone by pretty quickly. The the setup that the AFL have done has, has been pretty wonderful. The only thing I'd like is if, as you said earlier, Redmond have been doing a little bit of uh, fly fishing. If they had some sort of fish that was, you know, could tolerate chlorine and brine cooks doing laps <laughs> every morning, that would have been good to have had. I want to see you land the big tomahawk. <laughs> good luck. Uh, I might need like an eight or a 12 weight. I reckon if I'm going to fight the big hawk. <laughs> Cameron, this question's going from Cameron. Pat, I heard you mention on last week's show a big Garmin screen for your new boat. Why so big and why not two screens for easier use? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, and, and you and I have actually had this um, had this debate quite often. And once upon a time, you and I were both in the same thinking around dual screens. It just makes sense. You can split them up and one can, um, you know, you have set up as your plotter, the other can be your, your sonar, et cetera. Um, one of the things that, that Rob's done at North Bank is they've reshaped the way that they've configured their, their dashes to suit bigger electronics because clearly that's been one of the, the biggest changes uh, in boating over the last decade. We've seen, like we have in, in household TVs, the screens just get bigger and bigger and bigger. So one of the, um, the limiting factors with fishermen quite clearly um is the, the dash space. So most boating manufacturers now, unless you can accommodate at least a, a 12 to 15 inch screen, you're really being left behind. So anyone that buys an older boat, if you want to uh, flush mount it, you've really got to have that fiber's ass detail uh, redone in your console. So North Bank have changed theirs and it accommodates up to a 22 inch single screen now. So, so basically they, like changed it. It for, they changed it for you. <laughs> no, they changed it because what they've found over the last few years that they're one of their most popular models is actually the 750. And I think that's a combination of people fishing further and further now 
in terms of offshore. Yep. And it's also far cheaper than owning a 30-foot Bertram or Blackwatch or whatever it might be. And you have the ability to fish right around the country. So they're equipping, I think fishermen are equipping their trailer boats in order to fish just about anywhere because most roads around Australia where you're going to fish have pretty decent entry. So you can basically drive um, along the bitumen almost up to Cape York now and you can fish out of pretty remote places. So I suppose this is a long-winded story around um, the the why for most fishermen. And purely for me, I, I just like how clean it is compared to having uh, setups that are bolted on the top of the dash. So yeah. the, the Garmin unit I'm looking at at the moment is that 22-inch unit, which is just about as big as they get. Normally you see those on on you know big 50-foot Rivieras, but single screen, which will actually have all the um, the digital instruments for the twin 200 Mercs on the back. So everything will be in that one unit. So um, it's a really clean dash setup um, and it's almost reminiscent of a, of a big Riviera, all in a, uh, a small package Redmond. So that's sort of where it's at. And I suppose it's something that you've done of recent times as well. It's been less of the, the dual screens in, in your last day it was just that one big setup yeah I, I didn't have a 22 inch I had a 16 inch and that was that was big enough still for me I don't know I'm I nearly I nearly would want two screens I reckon I'm falling towards Pat I honestly I I just think it's I don't know like I'm I know you're saying your big 22 which is probably going to make a difference to the 16 uh, as in you with splitting your screens and so on but for me, it was definitely if I had the choice on the other boat, I probably would have popped in another another Garmin unit on top of the dash there. But it doesn't, like you said before, it doesn't look great, does it? Having bolted things on your boat on your dash, which I use my dash a lot, so I use my dash to be as productive as possible. So whether it's my rigging kits, if I'm out chasing tuna or marlin, I have everything like a station ready to go. So you are right; it keeps things out of the way. It doesn't look; it looks much better, but uh, only having the one screen, but. I don't know. I'm nearly going towards two screens for me. I'm gonna. I'm not sure, but one thing that I reckon you did say, which was your key word regarding your big boats, how easy is it now these days with trailers being in such good condition and the way they build them, and also the technology in cars? How easy it now is seriously to tow a big boat around? Like, for example, you and I were up in Cairns uh, end of last year. Feels like a lifetime ago now, and we we travelled up the whole top of Australia, basically, um, from Mission Beach right down to Lucinda and so on. And we did a lot of towing down to Townsville even. And I kept up with you guys towing. I know you were towing a caravan, but it was quite comfortable towing a big boat to what you tow a caravan. I don't see any different. Do you, Pat? No, I agree with that. And it, it had always been one of the biggest stresses for me, you know, towing a really heavy boat, especially in traffic. But once you get out on the open road, you know, in a city, you take it slow. Once you get out on the open road, we were very, very comfortably sitting on 100 k's an hour. We've had a call 3.3, 3.4 uh, ton 750 on the back, and it was, geez, it was easy to tow, mm. and it was enjoyable. And, you know, we're not rushing to get anywhere. Um, we weren't passing people at 130 at any stage, but that's the point of holiday. You, you don't, you don't want to be rushing everywhere. So, yeah, I agree with that. You can go further, and the setups have certainly changed. Um, speaking of setups, Redmond, and this is this isn't a question, but just to finish off um, our social club, and you can send in your questions 
uh, via our social media channels, whether it be Facebook or Instagram or our new Real Adventures app that you can download at the App Store. Um, during the week, the Daily Mail posted another I fifth by the Daily Mail. I'll make that very clear. There's a lot of clickbait <laughs> there, but they got they got me on this. Australian uh, Australian woman was spotting uh, spotted fishing with an electric heater, a shisha shisha pipe, as in like something you smoke, uh, a tea <laughs> cup of tea, and a rod while sitting in a camping chair, and she was wearing her uh, her Adidas tracksuit with Ugg boots. It was the most incredible setup I've just about ever seen. And it made me sort of think, you know, what's the what's the ultimate setup for you when it comes to sitting out on the pier, whether it be Queenscliff or otherwise, that you just can't live without because this lady looked like she was enjoying a shisha pipe. I can't even compete with that. <laughs> I've got literally nothing to compete with there. It was uh all I can say is my stubby next to me and maybe like a heater, a gas heater. <laughs> I can't compete with that. That's uh, where was she? There's some, there's some strange units out there, isn't there? That's, that's a, probably as far as we need to go with it. But nevertheless, we do need to get onto our dream boating destination. Well, it is time for our dream boating destination, Patrick. And we are heading to your new residence, Patrick. We're heading to WA where you live at the moment. Uh, we're going to yeah, go. Yeah, I'm a fan <laughs> We're going to go to the the home of the late night greyhounds. We're going to man. How do you pronounce it? Is it Mandra or Mandura? Mandra. You're going Mandra. Being a fan now, it is just Mandra. It's, it's just a, your standard sort of town. Um, 72 kilometres from Perth. 72 kilometres from Perth, Patrick, and this place is home to beach fishing. Seriously, it is fantastic beach fishing. Some of the fish you're going to catch here, well, you, you want to get your bait first, your herring. If you can get some herring first, you're going to be in for a, a shot to catch a, a, a big mulloway. You know what Western Australia is like, Patrick. The mulloway fishing over there is sensational along the beach. You're obviously going to catch plenty of salmon going into autumn. You've also got your tailor. You're going to get some nice sand whiting too, skippies. So there's it is a place you definitely want to head to if you are into your beach fishing. Expect Especially to land yourself a uh, a big mulloway along the beaches. Are you going to try and sneak out down there for your two? Do you have two days? I think you got two days of your ladder out, don't you? Got a couple of days. I think I'm going to try and get out on the boat. But as you said, in terms of a location to go and fish, especially off the beach, it's one of the best. And, and you mentioned Australian salmon, and I know it's a simple fish, but through that autumn period. They're, they're in plague proportions. It's these huge, gigantic schools right along that Western Australian coast. Uh, and when you see them off those, those beaches, they're, they're quite special. So Mandra, our dream boating destination uh, for this morning. If you'd like more info on Mandra, you can look them up, mandra.com.au. There you go, Patrick. Nicely done. That was our dream boating destination, and we will see you straight after the break. You're listening to Real Adventures. On Real Adventures, it's time to get all aboard for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Welcome back to the show, and it is now time for the Real Adventures Rewind. All for Dometic, enjoy our drink on the rocks on your next outdoor adventure with the Dometic CFX3 Ice Maker model. And we've had some pretty big guests on the show throughout our time, Happers, but I don't think we've had any as big or as mean as this. It is, of course, Danny Green, champion boxer. He has just come back from the jungle. He's a boy from out west. Danny, thanks for joining us this morning on Real Adventures, mate. 
Well, speaking of actually, speaking of that, I said uh, when you were off air before you uh, joined us, Danny, I was saying I'd love to see Danger and Danny go for a, a box. And Pat goes, actually, you can tell the story, Pat. Well, Danny, uh, obviously with footy, we do a fair bit of cross-training. And when Brenton Sanderson took over as coaches of Adelaide, we were known as a team that spent a lot of time on bikes. And he said, we're going to get rid of the bikes. We're going to bring the physicality. And we're going to, going to get into boxing. And I have a huge amount of respect for boxers after that preseason because I'm the worst boxer I think anyone's ever seen. I was knocked out <laughs> twice in that preseason. And it's one of the most physically demanding sports you could possibly ever do. So to do it as a career, I have much respect for so that, you, mate. So you're not fighting Danny in the uh, ring? Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Pat, but see what makes you talk for courses because I wouldn't last you know, half a quarter running around doing what you do, but not to mention it wouldn't last half a quarter. I wouldn't get near the football, so put <laughs> it back at you, Legend. Thanks, mate. Now for our seg- uh, for this segment, sorry, Danny, follow the sun. We we go somewhere somewhere around the country, and you're going to take us to a little place called Yardy Creek in WA. Tell me about Yardy Creek and uh, why you've chosen it for our segment. For follow the sun. Oh, look, a good, good mate of mine, um, Pavo, and we call him Alan Attenborough for good reasons. He's the camping genius, and he, he introduced me to this spot a while ago. We actually went there um, primarily for surfing. I surf a lot, and surfing and fishing obviously goes hand in hand. So we um, there's a great re- uh, reef break about three kilometres off the actual little settlement called Yardy Creek, and it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, and we throw the car over the over the creek and um, wait for the tide to go out, throw the car away till it's the right, side, the right height, and throw the cars over camper trailers and then put the, the tin in the water and we just put up about eight k's and we just camp at the sand dunes in the middle of nowhere you're not supposed to but man we, we, we kind of there's no one there to hassle or tell you what not to do and so we kind of pretty much do whatever we want to do and have a great time we don't see anyone for about six or seven days and we leave nothing but our footprints and um there's a great uh, a great surf break about three kilometers off the off the shore on a little path the reef called Yardy Creek. It's this awesome left-hander. Um, but the fishing around that area is absolutely awesome. So it's kind of, you know, if we don't get much surfing done because the wind's wrong or the swell's not right, we just fish our guts out because you can't miss. One of the questions I usually ask, Pat, for Follow the Sun is, where, where would you stay? <laughs> well, we can't really talk about that because you're not allowed to stay there. <laughs> so uh, is there accommodation close by? Uh, look, there's a lot of there's, there's a camping site there, so a lot of families go there in school holidays, etc. A lot of retirees go there, a lot of Winnebagos and camper trailers there. So there are camping sites available. Um, there is toilets there, um, pretty average toilets. I think there's a shower, um, but there are definitely sites there, um, dedicated sites with electricity, um, and you have to book them well in advance. And it's in a national park, hence the fact you're not supposed to camp there. But you know what? I'm not really a follower of rules, and we don't do much wrong. We we leave nothing but our footprints, as I said, and um, have a fat time. So if we get caught and get thrown out, well, we'll just move on to the next spot. Danny, usually um, with this segment and with the people we have on, we don't generally talk too much about their work. It's normally just about fishing, but I'm fascinated to know that Fishing and surfing is something that you love doing. It's certainly something that I love doing. Do you think some of your success with boxing has been attributed to the fact of just having the balance between knowing when to work and when to train hard, but also having fun and, and getting into things like fishing and surfing? Yeah, Pat. I mean, you know how it goes, mate. You're, you're an elite athlete. You're a full-timer and you're, you know, you're an old-timer. So you obviously... It obviously uh, knows exactly... You know exactly what it takes to be the best and, and to do... 
you know, what's necessary in order to do that and to achieve that kind of level, mate, you have to really, really put in. So you mentally need a, a release. And for me, surfing and fishing, like you said, it's just the best, mate, because it's, it's nothing like our sports. And it takes you totally away from, you know, what you're normally used to and the hard work. And the main thing is it's just a hell of a lot of fun. So the later in my career I went, the older I got, the more I realised, you know what, I've got to learn to have a lot more fun and just, just be cool, stay stay calm, stay relaxed and just totally go away from everything else and, and almost almost away from life in general because we're uncontactable. We're out of range from the telephone. So, you know, it's um, <laughs> there's no nagging. There's, no, there's nothing going on. There. You <laughs> Your know, manager can't get to you? <laughs> no, it's not. My, my missus can't get to you. Know, <laughs> even better. But it's um, you know, surfing, fishing, camping, tinnies, fires, laughs, and it's just the best release ever, mate. Taking it back to the, the fishing side of things now, Danny, I've checked out your Instagram and I always look following your Instagram and shark seems to be what you catch. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've caught a few. I mean, up there, you know, you catch, there's, I think there's so many sharks, especially a lot of the tiger sharks are, are very, very common up there and you get some bombs. Um, half the trouble is getting, you know, getting getting them off the line and, and pulling them in and just getting up to the boat. But um, you generally don't try and go for them, but every now and then we'll just go, you know what, Let's get a big ass hook and just put a you know <laughs> big skeleton on and just see what we come up with the next morning. And then yeah, lo and behold, there she is. Ten foot tiger shark, twelve foot tiger shark on there, and um, you got a bit of a struggle in your hands. But uh, it's a lot of fun, and we um you know I've I've, I've I've got in a fair bit of trouble once. I pulled pulled in a tiger shark and I put it on the front lawn and. Um, and uh, <laughs> Chopped it up and fed the street with it. It was probably a little bit too big to be to be tasty, but um, yeah, they had all. I had the I actually had, um, BBC London call me up and because I put it on Facebook and everyone's going, oh, this and that, rah rah, and they're like, everyone's concerned over here in WA about the sharks eating people, and I'm, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm saving li- I'm saving lives, and I'm getting in trouble for it. In uh, in Victoria, often surfers are asked, are you worried about sharks and generally the answer is no because simply there's just not enough of them around. Is that a concern when you surf and, and Yardy Creek being a destination where you can surf and fish but WA, there's the legitimate chance that there are sharks in the water at all times. It is a dangerous place to surf. Yeah, we do see sharks, you know when you're fishing a lot, you know, you're fishing sometimes we'll just throw a line in, you know, in between surfs and, and you know, you see a lot of sharks, um, you know, come up to the boat or, or swing around and so they're very common up there but they're very well fed um, they're warm water sharks, they're very well fed, we don't get the white pointers up that far which is which is great and not many bulls so it's, you know, there's really no chances, like the last surf we had which was um, further down the coast, a place called the Bluff which is just near Carnarvon we, we kind of, we, we got chased, not chased out of the water, we left the water because we saw a big one you know, right on dusk so we couldn't just quickly got out of the water and um, and, and, and you know, got, hell out, got the hell out of there but down south or in the Perth metro regional, you know, north and south of Perth by three, four hours each way and, and right over surf right on this island lot uh, there are a lot of white pointers, so sometimes you do get a bit worried. You, you know, you're paddling back out from a long wave, and it's just on dark, and you know, you and your mates out alone. You got to paddle 200 metres out to the boat and swim down and pull the anchor out. That's when it starts <laughs> to get a bit sketchy. You start thinking about it a lot more. But if the waves are pumping, you kind of mind take it away from it. Now, Danny, I wish you had a message me on Instagram before we uh, before you went into the jungle because <laughs> celebrity get me out of here. Because <laughs> I wish you had a message me. So the reason for that is Pat. Now. Danny, you wouldn't last two seconds in the. Oh, I'd last heaps of time. Uh, Danny went in there, and basically, <laughs> you get you get you get to take an item in. So I watched it. I watched Danny. You get to take an item in there. Something that now there's a bit of water there. 
Pat, where they're swimming holies. Okay. Now, if Danny had a rain man and said, what should I take in? I would have said, why don't you take a fishing rod in with some line pre-rigged <laughs> up? Surely there's a bug there or something you could use for bait. Therefore, he wouldn't have had to have done half the bloody challenges because he would have had fish there because he would have caught fish to eat. Therefore, he wouldn't have been covered in slime and gross stuff the whole time and he would have just been... Everyone would have been fed happily each night. You could have just taken a fishing nah. rod in there, mate. <laughs> there was no fish. There was... There was no. Nah, it was just a little watering hole, so we didn't actually... There was zero fish. There was actually little tiny little fish, maybe an inch long, and they would they would be sucking on you the whole time. It was a really weird sensation. It didn't hurt, but it was kind of like it was annoying. It was like, oh, what's that? You know, you get all these fish <laughs> all over. They're just little minnow kind of thing. So there was no way to catch any. And I, I didn't realise what the show was about. I, I never watched it, so I thought it was more of like a survivor show. I didn't realise it was kind of like a big brother and you stuck out in the middle of the jungle doing sweet FA all day. <laughs> and so um. I kind of said it'd be better, it'd be unreal if, if they actually made this more like it, where you got you got a bow and arrow, and you got or you got a crossbow, and <laughs> you got to hunt, and you got a fishing rod, and you got to, you know, you had to go out there and catch your food to survive. That would be an awesome way to do it, but you know, it was what it was, and uh, it was a good idea the fishing rod, but but it wouldn't have, wouldn't have, I, I probably would have just poked someone in the eye with it. <laughs> so out of the fishing side of things. Not just the sharks. What do you enjoy targeting the most? And uh, like the, you got such a range of fish in that whole coastline. What do you enjoy catching the most? Oh, I really enjoy it. It's such a simple thing to do, but, you know, in, inside the reef, in the in the little bombings around there, just on dusk, just on dusk and just before dark, just anchor up right in a big bombing, and then we go squidding that afternoon, so catch a heap of squid, and then they love the, the, the spankled emperors. They um they, they love the uh, the, the um, squid uh, wings and the squid heads as bait, and you literally can't miss it. And we use hand lines. So it's such a good fight. It's such good fun to catch because they really, they really make you work for it. They sit there and they suck on the bait, and you think you got it, and you pull it in. It's like, oh, he's not there. You wind it in, and halfway winding in, you're pulling it in, reefing it in. There's nothing there. It's like, oh, far out. Got me again. So you learn how to catch them. You learn that they love to take the, 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 the line a bit, and then once they take it, you know you're on. You're in for a decent fight, and you pull it in. You, you know, your hands get cut a little bit because sometimes you're pulling a decent sized fish. And they're such a good fish to eat. They're one of my, they're one of my favourite fish to eat. And it's so easy to catch, but it's so much fun. It's right just off. You only got to go, you know, a k, a k and a half off the shore, find a bomby just on dark, and then anchor up in front of it, and you're away. But go outside the reef. We'll, we'll, we'll trawl for um, for, for um, Spanish mackerel. Um, we catch a lot of yellowfin tuna out there. And then deeper out, we'll go deeper out with some spots we've got on the GPS, and we'll go down and we'll get um, Robinson um, Robinson brim which I've only ever caught a couple of, but they are sensation-leading. And you've got your red emperors and, um, you know, your, your baldies and et cetera, all your kind of, um, you know, your, your, your Ningaloo reef system kind of fish, your warm-water-style fish, and really, really, really top-eating. But for me, my favourite is the spanky. Danny, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Real Adventures this morning. You can tell, can't you, Red, the, uh, the passion that you talk about with fishing and family. Just getting uh, away from the work side, you can, yeah. yeah, it's great. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks for joining us this morning, mate. Hey boys, really appreciate it. Thanks very much for having me on and, and Pat and uh, and your mate there with the boat there. <laughs> I look forward to coming over there. Look forward to boys to, to coming over and, and having a fish with you one day. It'd be, it'd be awesome. But um, golden rule is um, you know, the Essie's got to be full and very, very full of ice. Well, Pat, Pat won't have it. Uh, he'll have the ice, I'll have the beer. <laughs> Uh, do you guys have that rule? You can't you can't crack your first beer till you catch, till you catch fish. Danny, I mean, we're cracking it on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, good. I'm, I'm, I'm generally cracking one in the passenger seat on the way out. <laughs> Thanks, Danny. Cheers, Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. <laughs> have a great day, boys. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood. 
Welcome back to Real Adventures. We are on the home stretch, Patrick. We have Red's tip coming up and the flying gaff. But first, Monday, you kick off the footy against. I don't even know who you're playing against. Are you? Well, it's not really kicking off the footy again. It is hard. I tell you what, it's hard to sort of get a grasp on when one round starts and it finishes, <laughs> given the fact they're playing, what is it, 20 straight games in 20 straight days. Like, it's, it's such a. It's such an extraordinary season, but it is what it is. We'll adjust as players. And Doc is on Monday night. I've checked the forecast, Redmond, and you wouldn't believe it, but it's going to be windy. <laughs> Starts at 3 p.m. or 9 a.m.? Uh, yeah, it'll start pretty damn early and uh, finish pretty damn late. But I, like, I, I love West Australia, honestly. It is such a beautiful place. And it, it's, it's almost, uh, and I'm not overly religious, but God's way of saying no place is perfect because. Bloody hell, it's windy here. You've, uh, you're going to have you're going to have no uh, Mr. Joel Salwood, I don't think. Um, not that I've been keeping up with it. No, don't, and they've got no Fife, or is he still out? Yeah, Fife's been out with a handy. So the, you're just keeping abreast of the footy industry. I'm, no, I'm you very, mentioned it to very me. Proud of you. you. Mentioned it to me during the week that uh, about I think you said Fife wasn't uh, going to play. So that's how I kept up to date with it. But you reckon you can beat the old Docker boys? <laughs> Well, I hope so. The last time we, we came over here, we didn't have a great game. And the, the man you just spoke about, Max Five, he, he, I think he had 30 and kicked three. So hopefully he doesn't play. <laughs> and that would make things easier. But um, no, we've enjoyed ourselves and out of quarantine tomorrow, as we mentioned off the top of the show. So looking forward to getting out and enjoying some, uh, some of what Western Australian has to offer and hopefully some, uh, some fishing during the week after Monday's game. Well, Red's tip's about to come up. A Red's tip for the week for the old punters out there. If Dangerfield is kicking for the first goal, probably have it as in the first behind because he'll probably just shy to the yeah. left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for Red's tip. This week, Patrick, the tip is a good one. Uh, I know it's a good one. And I don't, do an, I don't do enough of it, and I need to do more of it. And if you are a fisherman anywhere in the world listening to this and you live in a place that has water temperature... Minus 400 degrees like Port Phillip Bay at the moment, which is hitting a top of 11. Get your bait out five days before you're going fishing to defrost. Because, <laughs> it, you, oh my God, Patrick. If you, I, I'm, I'm, I try and keep up to date with it, getting it out the night before and leaving it in the back of the ute. I used to leave it in the back of the ute overnight. Hope the cats don't get it. But basically, you let it defrost the night before because when you get out there, it is near on impossible to defrost a block, of, a block of pilchards for your whiting burley. Your squid, you've got near no chance. It just doesn't defrost. And your pippies, there's nothing worse trying to open pippy shells with your frozen hands in the middle and it, everything you touch just hurts. So Red's tip this week is make sure you get your bait out the night before, well and truly. Even put it in the microwave before you go if you have to. But that is Red's tip for the week, Patrick, is get your bait out the night before. And it is now time for the flying gaff. Surely you've got something good for me. Surely something in WA has happened. Well, I'm, I'm going all in this week, Red, and I am gaffing umpires. And Ooh. not just any specific umpires. I am gaffing Razor Ray Chamberlain. Okay. Now, you can catch uh, Razor Ray on, uh, on Waitley on SEN. Uh, on our wonderful station. Uh, and Ray spoke during the week that the, about the free kicks. You know, we as Cat supporters, I'm a, I'll preface this with, yes, we were well beaten. Excuses. Oh, you played better on the night. Excuses. No, 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 let me think. Anyway, um, 
the free kick count when it was, it was 22-10. And then Razor, Razor Ray Chamberlain has come out and said it should have been 25-8. Well, Ray didn't think about the fact that we are all staying in the same hotel at the moment, in the same quarantine lockdown facility. You should have seen the Razor Eyes heading in Razor Ray's direction. And we have a, uh, in the in the facility, There's you can get coffee. And you can uh, you, you put your your order in on the whiteboard because obviously we're, we're separated from everyone else, um, just like an animal in a zoo. And get your order and the way they bring it out. So Razor, just be very careful because I'm going to sabotage your coffee order if this happens again. So you've been warned from real adventures this morning. <laughs> if it happens again, your coffee order is in jeopardy. Is he? Uh, I'm borrowing you on Monday. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crap. No, nah, we, nah, we love Ray. We love Ray. This will be played on all, right, all football shows uh, during the week. All right. <laughs> I'll, uh, I will talk to you in the next couple of days. Patrick, good luck on Monday. And to all our Real Adventures listeners, we'll be back next week. Head out in the water, stay safe, and catch some fish. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.